0: Sunday again. Good morning to you, Ben. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. No complaints on my end. Yep, that's, that's what I like to hear <laughs> on a Sunday morning as we're heading into this show. Uh, had a great, relaxing weekend, and I know it's not all over yet, but uh, how about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, very quiet, nice, relaxing. Exactly what I was looking for, what the yep. doctor ordered.
0: It's what we need yeah. after such a busy week, a very busy week in news, a whole lot of different things, of course. But I think the big the big news of this past week was also very sad, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, um, the passing of Cabinet Minister Derek Brake, uh, who was laid to rest Friday afternoon in his hometown of Greens Pond, Bonavista Bay. Uh, just terribly, terribly unfortunate news. Um, had been battling cancer mm-hmm. for the last little while. But always just shocking and so saddening to hear of of the passing of Derek Bragg, um, who was just not just a good politician, um, not your stereotypical
0: standard right. politician. Very sincere. Um, yeah,
1: very much so. Hilarious and just a wonderful human being.
0: Absolutely. And always available to face always. the music. You know, a lot of politicians scurry and hide when the going gets yep. tough. Uh, that was not the case with the late Derek Bragg. We're going to be talking a lot about it throughout this show as we did throughout the week.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you uh, you brought that up about not shying away because we will hear some back and forth with fisheries protesters in which uh, Derek Bragg definitely went out and faced the music that that day, uh, gave some memorable quotes, that's for sure, but we will continue to remember the life of Cabinet Minister Derek Bragg right here on the best of your VOCM morning. So grab yourself a cup of coffee.
0: Or maybe a cup of tea. We will accept tea drinkers here. Piece of toast.
1: Maybe you like biscuits. And join us right here on the best of your VOCM mornings.
0: Good Sunday morning and welcome to the best of your VOCM mornings. I'm Jerry Lynn Mackey. And I'm Ben Murphy. As mentioned, one of the provincial government's
1: most colorful and respected cabinet ministers has passed away. In June, Derek Bragg confirmed to reporters that he had been diagnosed with tongue cancer. And in August, he rang the bell at the Dr. H. Bliss Murphy Cancer Center. We're remembering the late Derek Bragg here on the best of your VOCM mornings. From fisherman to fisheries minister. In 2022, Derek Bragg expressed disbelief on the trajectory of his professional career on VOCM On Target with this way.
2: So my background, I worked with the town of Greenspan for about 30 years. I think I was like six months after 30 years. I started out, uh, I guess. My brother and I went fishing when I finished grade, I think so, probably grade 10. He was older than me and we went fishing one summer, tried it the next summer. And then I went off to trade school, did power engineering. In the early 80s, not a lot of jobs uh, for power engineers because you had all the baby baby boomers were in their prime. A job came up for the town. And and I like to say $6.32 took me out of the fishery because we probably would have been fishing today, my brother and I, and, uh, but I got a job with the town council, I got a job in the town office and from there, 30 years later, I find myself sitting in this position, and I've got to be honest, there's days, because I'm in green spots now, looking across Bonavista Bay, there's days I'm going to pinch myself and say, how did I get here? How did this all come together? Because the fisheries minister, outside of everything else, is one of the bigger portfolios that's highly recognized, and I've basically spent 12 months with my head down working to get more familiar with this and money I guess is I'm on everybody's I'm on everybody's uh, TV so it was a bit of a eye-opener for me on money I would think.
0: Well a book of condolences has been made available to the public on the passing of Derek Bragg. It's available at the lobby of the Confederation Building for a 30-day period. Flags were flying at half-mast at all provincial and federal government buildings until the end of the day on Friday, which was when Bragg's funeral took place. We are going to continue to remember the life and career of Derek Bragg here on The Best Of. Premier Andrew Fury joined us on the program to talk about it.
1: No way really to sugarcoat a Premier. Terribly sad circumstances to be speaking under this morning, but we do appreciate your time. Your thoughts on the passing of Derek Bragg? Uh,
3: ben, we're all just uh, we're all just heartbroken here, uh, devastated. Um, you know, I know uh, from the outside looking at uh, political figures, oftentimes uh, we lose our. For the general public, it loses a sense of being a person, and we're very much a, a family in here, and we lean on each other in tough times and and celebrate together in good times and um, this is, to lose a, a member of our family one uh, that was as energetic as passionate as compassionate uh, as minister bragg has uh, really taken uh, the wind out of uh, out of our sails and of course our thoughts are, uh, are primarily with the family i've been uh, very fortunate to have such a close relationship uh, with the family uh, over the last two, four or five years, but in particular uh, during uh, Minister Bragg's medical issues and um, my heart breaks for them. It's um, a real loss um, for our team, Uh, it's a real loss uh, for the province, but it's a profoundly deep uh, loss for the family.
1: And just how significant a contribution did Derek Bragg make to public service all throughout his career?
3: Oh, well, I mean, Derek was uh, tailor-made for public service in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, He committed his life to public service, and I can tell you, having worked so closely with him over the last few years, um, the passion that he brought uh, for trying to make any situation better... Uh, but also the degree of humor that he <laughs> that he brought to the table um, added a degree of uh, levity for some uh, otherwise serious situations, which uh, which allows you to take a pause and and make better decisions. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that that was his intent always, uh, but he always brought a a level of humor uh, that everyone appreciated, and the the room was. The room was brighter and a bit lighter with Derek in it and the, and the province is definitely a, a sadder and heavier place today without him.
1: What legacy does he leave behind?
3: Well, I think he leaves a, an incredibly proud and strong legacy for his family and of course his young grandson now to and that they can be proud of that Derek himself would be proud of one of public service, one of service uh, above self even. Derek, I saw uh, firsthand, everyone remembers Derek most recently for the, the uh, Crab dispute. Uh, Derek and I spent a lot of time together over the last uh, two or three years uh, for diff- on different files, very closely together. Uh, the first of which was in the fires in central Newfoundland, in which uh, Derek and I spent uh, almost every waking moment together uh, trying to navigate the situation uh, uh, for central Newfoundland. And then, of course, after that, that last year, the Crab dispute. And the legacy is one of service. It's one of passion for the province. And beyond all of that, and I think this is one that we all should uh, aspire uh, to uh, fulfill, is one of of hope uh, that Newfoundland and Labrador can be a better place. Uh, this is and all is not lost. Uh, the brightest days are ahead, and we should all realize uh, that that uh, that aspiration that take it as inspiration and and try to fulfill it uh, in order to fulfill his legacy
1: yeah and premier we often hear the phrase especially when it comes to the workplace that everyone is replaceable in this situation it really feels like that's not the case just how big a void does he leave not just as a politician but like you said as a person
3: yeah no I mean M- M- Minister Bragg is de- is definitively uh, and definitely not uh, not replaceable. Um I got to tell you Ben he leaves a big void. Um for me as a person and as a friend um it's been tough uh, for me uh, you know uh, and it's been tough for the team and um and it, there's just no way to replace uh, Minister Bragg. Uh, his the balance that he brought uh to every room uh, is is a unique quality that doesn't often exist. His quick wit um, you know is rarely rivaled in newfoundland politics newfoundland and Labrador politics and that's a i i realize the weight and the significance of that statement but uh i you know he could spur with uh with the best of them, including, you know, ones that we celebrate all the time, like uh, former Minister Crosby. He had a quick wit. Uh, he had an ability to put everyone at ease uh, despite the gravity of a situation. He had the ability to, uh, to bring a smile to people's faces um, and to talk through some tough situations. Um, he had an incredible amount of courage, which is obviously on display on the front steps, uh, of the Confederation Building, uh, in talking to crab fishermen in in, in tense and tight times, um, he was never one to shy away from a challenge. In fact, quite the opposite. He liked to lean into a challenge, but he always he always did that. He he always he always met that challenge with a smile on his face, and uh, that is uh, that's not always easy to do, and um, and that unique quality um is certainly one that uh, that i'll be reflecting on myself and how to internalize that and make me a better person but he definitively made everybody around him better
1: stronger and happier premier do you have any update on funeral arrangements
3: i don't just yet um uh, but as you said at the outset ben um a book of condolences will be uh, available um, in the foyer of the Confederation Building. It's set up there now. I saw it uh, when I arrived this morning at seven o'clock. Um, so it's set up for people to uh, uh, to come in and offer their condolences. I know there's he touched so many lives uh, throughout the province, uh, and uh, as much as people would like to attend the, the service, that would be uh, obviously on. Um, at the family's discretion, but in talking to the family, uh, I think it's a good idea to have this book because so many will want, uh, to express what Derek meant to them. Um, whether they knew him personally or not, uh, he was, de- de- he was a character in the game of politics in Newfoundland and Labrador, and he touched many lives and people will want to express that. And I think it will, uh, Not that it will fill any void uh, in the family's life, but it will be a source of comfort and
1: solace for them uh, moving forward, uh, especially into the future. Premier Andrew Fury, we do thank you for joining us to reflect on the life and career of Derek Bragg. The news cycle, though, does keep on turning. And uh, while we have you, I do just want to ask you a couple of other questions. In other news, the Council of Atlantic Premiers uh, wrote to Federal Transport Minister Pablo Rodriguez regarding proposed changes to the air passenger protection regulations and the impact they may have on air connectivity here in Atlantic Canada. So just first off, what are these proposed changes to air passenger protection? regulations
3: sure so we know that the federal government has introduced um, conceptually what is very sound and i think conceptually what every single listener who travels by air would agree on and that's a passenger an extended passenger bill of rights that would protect uh, passengers who paid Good hard-earned money to uh, fly on on airplanes, uh, and if there's travel disruption or delays, which we, I'm sure, many who have been listening have been subject to, frustrated by, and this was an instrument introduced to try to hold uh, airlines uh, accountable uh, to uh, to delays and travel disruption, which conceptually we uh, we as Atlantic premiers entirely uh, support. Um, What we are hearing from airlines uh, is that some of them, uh, while well-intentioned, may uh, actually uh, cause uh, the reverse impact um on re- regions like atlantic canada where there aren't you know there aren't just uh, excessive airplanes or other air routes uh that are available to passengers uh easily so uh what are we what we are asking the federal government to do is is to basically take a more nuanced approach uh, for atlantic canada um so that um so that the airlines have to be accountable, and that is first and foremost, and paramount, uh, and accepted across. All of the Atlantic provinces, uh, but perhaps a more uh, nuanced approach for our airports. Um, obviously, uh, St. John's International, we're very proud of it and the work that they do there, but it's not equivalent uh, to uh, Pearson International Airport in, in Toronto, which is you know uh, a hub, of course, for for Air Canada. So we we heard from the CEOs of WestJet and Air Canada that uh, that this could be. Uh, uh, while, good intent, while well-intentioned, uh, some of the rules may uh, interfere with their operations. And, uh, and so we're all we're asking is uh, for perhaps a dialogue uh, to provide more nuanced uh, and more specific uh, rules uh, for Atlantic Canada.
0: And that is Premier Andrew Fury. He joined us on your VOCM Mornings earlier this week. Ben. FFAW President
1: Greg Purdy is remembering the late Derek Bragg for his strong work ethic and sense of humor. He speaks with VOCM's Linda Swain.
4: Yeah, very sad news. Uh, you know, I never anticipated uh, we'd hear that. Uh, he was such, uh, Derek was uh, a fighter. Um, it was just, it's just absolutely terrible. Our condolences go out to the family, his wife and, uh, and kids and grandchild, and uh, and it's uh, it's just really stunning news.
5: It really is, and uh, as we've been saying over the last half hour or so, uh, uh, he was a, a minister who came across as absolutely genuine. You knew he was hardworking just by his actions and his deeds, and uh, he played a pivotal role in navigating some very difficult times in the provincial fishery.
4: No, no question. You know, he's, uh, he's had very good roots. The uh, first time I met him, he was working at the plant in Greenspond the biotic plant in Greenspond. And uh, uh, just like he, he was, he was uh, very uh, articulate. He was fun to be around. He, was, uh, he had a great sense of community. I used to kid him that Walter Carter also came from Greenspond, and he should aspire to do the same. And eventually he found his way to provincial politics. And, uh, you know, uh, he had a, a, a great heart. Uh, for that, and uh, you know, uh, he's going to be missed. He was a—he's an incredibly funny guy. I think he could have had a, a a career as a stand-up. He he never met a microphone he didn't like, and he was just a hoot to be around. I Played golf with him once, and I I um, I fell out of the cart laughing. He was a—he was just a good guy to be around, but he took his job very seriously. And you're quite right; he handles. He was involved with, with the, the biggest uh, tie up uh, of the crab uh, fleet in our history, and he was, and I know he uh, he wore his heart on his sleeve. He needed he and he wanted that uh, that uh, thing fixed uh, for 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 the province, for his members, for his constituents, but most importantly for his fellow plant workers he worked with, and uh, again uh, all the harvesters. So it, it's 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 quite a loss to the province.
5: The fishery didn't just mean something to him; it was in his blood. He he and I spoke um, several times about his deep connection to the fishery and and to the people in the fishery.
4: No question, he uh, he came out of it. He understood it. It was his life, and uh, he uh, he put a lot of time in the public service, which only honed his uh, the skills he'd later use at in the in the House of Assembly. It's a great loss. It's a tragic loss. Uh, such a young man at 59, uh, he'll be missed. There's no question about that. The province will miss him.
5: And in retro- retrospect now, thinking uh, back on the tie-up and, and um, you know, the, the difficulties that all of that presented from every side, and he's so determined to bring everyone together to try and hash it out, knowing now what he must have been going through on a personal level
4: that is correct i i knew it at the time and uh and i also know that he uh fought very hard to uh to bring this to a successful conclusion and uh he worked behind the scenes he worked tirelessly and uh you know it's it's just uh it's just tragic that uh that he didn't uh that he's not going to see um the fishery of the future and um but it's quite a loss, as I said.
5: How do you think he will best be remembered, both by yourself and, and, and the public at large?
4: Oh, a hard worker, uh, uh, wanted so much success for this province, had a vision for the province, things could be better, worked towards that. Um, I always kidded him when he was a minister of, I think it was minister of highways, I used to kid him, I'd see him around town. As I've known him a long time, I'd say, buddy, I said you're the prime, you're the prime candidate for a fisheries minister, and we'd always have a great, uh, great laugh at that. And he had some plans, and uh, so it's a, uh, it's extremely sad uh, outcome here. And again, our condolences uh, to the family, and uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's just a, a really tough day for the province.
0: And that is FFAW president Greg Pretty, Jerry Lynn, Ben. We simply cannot avoid this uh, memorable encounter that Bragg had with a crowd of protesters on the steps of the Confederation building. Iconic. It really is it because is. this this is the salt of the earth approach that he will definitely be remembered for. This happened back in the spring of 2022.
6: Sustainability and stability after the Street is the utmost importance for rural Newfoundland. I saw someone down there with a sign say, support rural Newfoundland. I said, that's me. Well, i live it. it, i live it. Will you let me have something to say, because I listen to you guys. So if you want to echo, come down and take the mic. I'll stand back, take the mic. So give me a chance. I meet with your president monthly. And if I don't meet monthly, sometimes bimonthly. We had the Fisheries Advisory Council. One of the biggest problems we see right now, if I could part the crowd, is finding someone out there that's under 30 years old. We have an aging demographic in our fishery. And if we don't get young people in our fishery, the numbers will dwindle. People will move away. Again, I would invite the Ecklers to come up and take the microphone. Because I have big shoulders. I know this industry. I've lived in it all of my life. Well not you. So, so in 58 years, you haven't realized how long this has been going on? I've seen the first And what has been done before. about it? Diddly squat. That's not fair to say. It is fair. I've been at this 40 years. I haven't seen one bloody difference. The panel was brought in a few years ago. The panel was ago, brought in. What is the percentage where it's in the processor's favor? I asked you that. Uh, I think it's been like 80% in FFAW's favor over the last number of years on the pricing on crab alone. 80%. Might be 75%. Keith, well, can you justify state. that, wherever you're to? Make it make it fair! That's all we're asking. But the government will out. allow it. got to Derrick Bragg gotta go! But let's be fair, if Derrick Bragg goes, somebody else stands there. So Derrick Bragg... No, no! Let's be fair. Whoever is Fisher Minister is going to take this ridicule from this crowd today. So I had the guts Probably more guts and brains to stand in front of you guys and getting this mic. And I sat in there. I was here in the group and I have no intention of moving. Anybody wants to have a chat with me when this is over? I'm wide open for a conversation.
0: Good Sunday morning and welcome back to the best of your VOCM Mornings. I'm Jerry Lynn Mackey. And I'm Ben
1: Murphy. And this week on Tech Talk Tuesday, we dove into a discussion about the recent telecom price hikes, the trials of an experimental AI shopping assistant, the rise of cutting edge grocery apps and Instagram's latest features aimed at promoting healthy sleep habits. Our resident technologist Kevin Andrews was here to unpack all these latest developments on Tech Talk Tuesday. Amidst a significant shift in pricing within Canada's telecommunications sectors where providers are increasing rates, the Standing Committee on Industry and Technology has shown a vested interest in understanding the factors that are driving these price hikes. So the committee has embarked on a comprehensive study to delve into the intricacies of this pricing trend. So Kevin, what can you tell us about the details and objectives of this study?
7: So, Ben, it looks as if several members of, of this standing committee on, on industry and technology are calling on their peers to really reconvene to discuss the increasing costs of cell phone packages, and I think rightly so. I mean, the committee is, is looking at, you know, how competitive the telecom market uh, is amongst mainly its two players, or really Bell and Rogers. And so, you know, the study wants to really figure out if there should be rules uh, to make the market more open and competitive, so, so prices really stay more affordable for us consumers. Now, specifically, the committee is looking closely at how much uh, these costs for telecom companies operate. Uh, this includes uh, things like keeping their infrastructure working, upgrading technology, and following the rules set by the government. And, and it looks as if, you know, they want to figure out if the higher prices are because it's costing more for the companies to run their services or uh, if there are other reasons for price increases now. Now, the committee is also looking into how new technologies like 5G networks uh, affect this price at all. And, and when telecom companies invest in these technologies, sometimes it can, you know, cost a little bit more money. So the study wants to see if the prices are going up because of these advancements and if the higher costs for consumers are reasonable. Now, you know, it's, it's based on exploring many aspects, and, and it might suggest changes based on what it finds. And, and so this could mean, you know, making rules uh, to encourage fair competition, promoting clear pricing, or really putting in protection to prevent sudden price increases. I think the bottom line here is that, you know, I do believe the ultimate goal of this uh, committee's study is to really look out for the Canadian consumers, but at the same time making sure the telecom uh, industry stays strong and, and innovative.
1: Kevin, Walmart is enhancing the shopping experience by experimenting with artificial intelligence, using AI for personalized recommendations and improved inventory management. What are your thoughts on this type of shopping experience and how do you think it aligns with the broader trends in the retail industry?
7: Well, it looks as if Walmart is using AI as a strategic move to really adapt to changes in the retail industry. And the main goal is really to improve the overall shopping experience. And a key part of this is personalized recommendations, where AI looks at what each uh, customer likes and buys. And and so this data-driven approach really helps Walmart suggest products that match what customers want, making the recommendations more relevant and potentially making customers happier. Now, Walmart also uses AI for better control of their stock. I mean, with AI, they can manage inventory more efficiently and and predict how much they need and avoid really having uh, too much or too little of something. So this makes their supply chain smoother and helps customers always find what they're looking for, making, again, shopping easier. Now, I look forward uh, to sort of seeing how Walmart's approach to AI suggests really potential advancements in enhancing customer engagement. It might offer even more sophisticated personalization recommendations later in the future, really taking into account real-time factors like location, weather, and even trending products, I mean, you know, this could lead to a more dynamic and really context-aware recommendation system, really refining the tailored shopping experience for everybody involved.
1: We're speaking with our resident technologist, Kevin Andrews, on Tech Talk Tuesday on your VOCM Mornings. And Kevin, Manypenny, a startup based in Vancouver, has rolled out an app designed to assist Canadians in managing their grocery expenses more effectively. It Sounds like music to the ears of many. So, Kevin, can you just share some insights on how this app contributes to reducing grocery costs for Canadians? And just highlight the features it offers to enhance that shopping experience?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, really cool app. I mean, it's available all over Canada, and, you know, ultimately it helps users compare prices at various grocery stores, really trying to simplify their shopping decisions. I mean, what makes this app great is it's user-friendly design. It can, you know, enter your address, and then it'll it'll give you all the prices for all the nearby stores, and really all you do then is check, you know, check the, the cheapest price. So uh, the app compares prices really for everyday items at various stores, like you, know, you can put in Sobeys, Dominion, Costco, and Walmart, and, and users simply just input their address. The app displays the price at a nearby store and, and even for, for different brands for specific items. So you know, checking on the item helps the users to score, discover sort of uh, the store offering at the lowest price. Now, the app offers two account options, a free version uh, and with basic functions, and a, uh, a $3.99 per month subscription with additional features such as access to, uh, his, his, uh, I think, histogram-type price trends. So this app, called again ManyPenny, uh, really assures users that you know, if they're, uh, they're, they're not affiliated with, with any grocery chains and, and they don't earn any affiliate links, so ensuring really fair use here. Um, and so it's available on both uh, the iOS App Store or Google Play Store, offering really useful tools for Canadians to cut down on their grocery expenses.
1: Now, Meta, the owner of Facebook and Instagram, has just put out an updated feature on Instagram called Nighttime Nudges to alleviate concerns about teenagers spending too much time on the app, particularly during late hours. Kevin, can you just give us some more details on how Meta is managing and overseeing the implementation of this new
5: feature?
7: Well, you know, there seems to be concerns over teens spending too much time on their devices, <laughs> especially at night. Gee, I wonder who came up with that crazy idea. <laughs> anyway, it looks as if Meta is sort of trying to address the issue of teens using Instagram late at night with their, like you mentioned, their new, ad, their new update called Nighttime Nudges feature. And so this feature aims to really limit the time young users spend on the app between the hours I think of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. And, and so if teens exceed 10 minutes during these hours, an uh, notification encourages them to really take a break now all this can be for nothing if you turn off your notifications for this app but you know meta probably introduced parental controls uh, as really part of its plan but you know we should think about whether they're doing it to generally make a healthier digital space for younger users or just to protect their own self-interest so i mean i'd lean toward the latter but at least it's a step in, in a better direction
1: yeah do you expect to see this trickle over to facebook as well
7: Absolutely, I think you would probably start to see this on on a lot of apps and uh, and it's again it's it's just a more healthier way to use your digital information.
1: yeah, do you have any more insights into some of its specific functionalities?
7: Um, at the moment, um, they're pushing it out to most of the provinces and places in North America. There are still some areas that, that are not getting it yet, but, uh, but it, it seems to be trickling through all of Meta's products throughout, throughout the system itself.
1: And that is our resident technologist, Kevin Andrews, joining us on Tech Talk Tuesday. Jerry Lynn?
0: the newfoundland and labrador alliance for the control of tobacco is encouraging newfoundlanders and labradorians to go smoke free during this national non-smoking week and ben it's sunday so we are still in the thick of national Mm -hmm. non-smoking week well to talk about tobacco trends in this province and supports for those looking to quit act executive director kevin cody joined us
1: so what trends are you seeing in regards to the number of smokers here in the province
8: well, unfortunately, Ben, we still have 20% of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians uh, smoking. And, uh, you know, that's one in five. Uh, while it's uh, it's been improved vastly from back in the 60s and 70s when, you know, 50% of people were smoking, uh, it's still a huge concern. It's... Uh, you know, the the smoking across Canada, for example, uh, causes 46,000 deaths related to smoking per year. And, uh, you know, 30% of those uh, from cancer. It's, it's a tremendous concern, and uh, we have to continue to speak out about it and try to encourage people to take the... Uh, To to take it on and uh you know as we are suggesting this year it's time to heave it away so uh, we're hoping some people can do that here in january and get off to a great start for the new year
1: yeah and when we talk about national non-smoking week we often think of cigarette smoking that's what comes to mind but how big a focus is vaping during this national non-smoking week
8: well um, certainly that's there also we uh, we we really refer to the issue now as being uh, an addiction to nicotine and that kind of uh, wraps up the vaping and the smoking into one because both are very concerning we have uh, you know our youth are gone a little crazy with the uh, with the vaping and it's it's very 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 alarming so to deal with that, as part of National Non Smoking Week, we are tomorrow we are launching a new uh, package of resources for educators, for caregivers and educators, people taking care of youth. Uh, it'll be available on our website. A lot of information that will help parents if they want to get into us. And uh, we're very pleased with that, and we'll have a little more to say about that tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow being Weedless Wednesday, uh, which is a part of National Non Smoking Week. So the vaping is very concerning. In fact, it's uh, it's consuming a lot of our time right now, but we can't overlook the smoking. The smoking is generally. With the older people, shall we say, uh, not the teens as much now because they've found this wonderful vaping product. And, of course, that's promoted by the tobacco industry. So it's nicotine-based, and it's all about addiction. And once people are addicted, as we know, uh, it's difficult to steer clear of that. It's difficult to heave it away, and uh, it it could be a lifetime... uh, curse, so to speak.
1: We're speaking with Executive Director at the NL Alliance for the Control of Tobacco, Kevin Cody, on your VOCM Mornings. And Kevin, should there be more strict regulations on who can purchase tobacco products?
8: Well, yes, I, I think there's always room for uh, further restrictions. Uh, recently, there was a, a, a real setback with these nicotine pouches that came out, and the federal government somehow slipped up there because they let it go through uh these are available anywhere uh in the in the uh, you know corner stores gas store set- setups and uh, no age restriction so basically uh, uh you know obviously the minister the federal minister has since indicated that he's he was totally disgusted with it i don't know how it got past his desk but it did and we'll make adjustments to deal with that but you know we're we're months into this now and there's still no adjustment so we assume in fact we know uh, young children are out there picking up these pouches and uh, again i stress the word addiction uh, and that's exactly what the industry wants and that's that's their goal and obviously if we don't Tighten up if the governments don't tighten up, then they will reach that goal.
1: How big an issue are flavors? I mean, if you walk into a vape store just about anywhere, it is like a rainbow in there, lit up with all these colors and flashy names and sweet and fruity flavors. How big an issue is that when it comes to teens and young people smoking and vaping?
8: Huge Ben, It's a huge issue, and it's what uh, you know it's 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 what we've been waiting for governments to deal with for a long long time Uh, some provinces have taken steps to deal with vaping themselves while they wait for the federal government to do their work we haven't moved uh, enough yet and we we need to move but the vaping is the vaping is the key to attracting the young people as you just said all the various flavors Uh, that that's so attractive to young people and we really believe that's why uh, it's there are are flavors necessary i don't believe so i don't believe so if if an older person really wants to use a vape to help them quit regular tobacco smoke then uh, i think uh, you know they can do that without the the fruity flavors the candy flavors that uh that the young people are attracted to and, and picking it up just because of that. Because in, in, in most cases, these young people are not smokers, so they're not picking up the vape to help them quit. Uh, it, the adults might do that, and if they do it, then so be it. That's a choice they certainly can and, and uh, you know, can make, and we support that if, if they want to make that choice. But we have to cut out the flavors and uh, get our young people to realize there's there's no fun to this.
1: This is not candy. And Kevin, quitting is difficult. I mean, if it wasn't, we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. But what supports are out there for those looking to quit?
8: Well, uh, one of the first places to start, I think, would be the uh, Smokers Helpline. And, uh, you know, they have some staff there that can guide you and get you to set yourself on a plan and and so on obviously some people make a decision just to go cold turkey and uh, that's not easy but if if they do it they'd be wonderful um, you can also refer to our website actnl.com and for vaping we have a, a separate uh, website truthaboutvaping.ca and that's where you'll find all of our resources starting tomorrow uh, the teachers we hope will start picking them up and using them in the schools Parents will ed- educate themselves by looking at these resources, and anyone else who who deals with children, we hope will uh, will get to truth about vaping and .ca and check out things.
0: And that is the executive director of the NL Alliance for the Control of Tobacco, Kevin Cody. Over to you, Ben. The community of Burlington
1: on the Bayford Peninsula is gathering around one of its own who has been hospitalized and faces a long road to recovery following a brain injury. Justin Newberry, coach of the high school boys' basketball team, is at the Health Sciences in St. John's with his three children and wife by his side. The full extent of his diagnosis is not yet known. Burlington Mayor Rudy Norman says Justin has always been heavily involved in ensuring that local youth are given an opportunity to enjoy the sports that he grew up loving, especially basketball. He speaks with VOCM's Brian Maddor.
9: So, I mean, you know, a small town, like any small town in rural Newfoundland, um, when one person is affected, it seems like everybody's affected. And uh, for someone who's well-known, like Justin, is in the community, it's a... um, is definitely, uh, uh, taking a toll on everybody. Um, the community's really come together and rallied around, uh, the family. He's, he's got a young family, three, three children and, and his wife, um, who are standing by his side through this. And, and, uh, we're just, we just want to show our love and support to them. Um, and uh, and come together and, and try to ease the burden for them. so so the community is coming together in a number of different fashions and trying to raise some money to to help ease the financial burden while he's staying in St. John's and and going through the recovery process. But probably uh, the most inspiring part was the fact that, the uh, high school basketball team, the boys basketball team that Justin coaches, um, they've stepped up as well. And uh, they, they braved the elements and got out there um, at a local intersection uh, recently. And they, um, they held a toll booth and, uh, and they were stopping cars and people were just um, coming by and, and giving them donations and, and all the money was going to their coach, Justin and, um, it, it really showed that he he's been an inspiration to them. It's really shown that he's been had an impact on their lives that these young people would be out there in the middle of January um, in harsh cold weather, um, doing something so selfless for someone that uh, they obviously love and admire and respect.
3: Sounds like this has really been devastating to them.
9: Uh, I think it has. yeah, it's it's really affected. Um, a number of people but but this team in particular and um and they've really led the way um they've they've shown that you know they're out there to help they're they're out there to um they're out there to uh to to support their coach just like he supported them um and to give back in any way they can and uh, and it's, it's really inspired uh me um as a as a community leader to see these young people out there leading the way um and it's really inspired so many more as well that uh that, you know, just kind of selflessness and, and goodness still exists in the world.
3: Interesting that they do respond in this manner though, uh, Mayor Norman, because sometimes things can go in the other direction. You know, you just kinda of drop everything and say, oh well that's it. Our you know, our leader's not here, so uh we're kind of finished and, and that's that's the end of it.
9: Exactly. And that's and I think that's the most impactful part. Um the fact that these kids, you know, they're they're not giving up their they're not taking this sitting down they're they're realizing the seriousness of the situation um and they uh, they want to do whatever they can um and and i mean you know as young people today i mean you know I, I, there's a lot of stereotypes and and people think that you know young people don't are as aware maybe as as uh, older adults but but these these young people i mean they've got good heads on their shoulders they've got they've got excellent attitudes um and and they've had some great coaching obviously um over the years in in justin and and uh, he's instilled some great values in them on the court and off the court they're they're gold medal winners by the way aside from this they're they're a great team they've done they've done very well on the court but um but it's just incredible to see that they're doing well off the court as well
3: yeah i noticed that in your news release the gold medal winners in the qualifiers just tell me about that experience
9: yeah so uh justin you know a bit of a history justin uh was a bit of a uh uh up and coming athlete as well he, he, on his own in high school um especially in basketball uh on the provincial scene um he he did very well and uh he led the local high school to um to their first win. Um, back a number of years ago um in in the qualifiers and and it was a big thing um I was I was around actually I attended high school with Justin and and I remember that very well and, and it was exciting and and the the school hasn't had a lot of success in uh in basketball uh, since then but um you know uh, Justin stepped up to the plate and and became a, a coach and and led them to a gold medal win uh, last year so it was uh,
1: it was kind of history repeating itself and that is Burlington Mayor Rudy Norman speaking with VOCM's Brian Medora stay with us on the best of your VOCM mornings we're going to get reaction to government's education accord NL announcement after these Good Sunday
0: morning and welcome back to the best of your VOCM Mornings. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Jerry Lynn Mackey. Well, the Newfoundland and Labrador Teachers Association says right now they have the same information as the general public when it comes to the education accord Newfoundland and Labrador announced by government on Thursday afternoon. The association says it had little notice of the announcement or initiative and is looking forward to more fulsome details from the Department of Education. President of the Newfoundland and Labrador Teachers Association, Trent Langdon, joined us to talk about it. What's your reaction to the announcement of the Education Accord?
10: Well, as with many government uh, announcements we hear uh, just prior to it happening, uh, we received notice of this about three hours before the uh, the press conference at Confederation Building at 1, so we have found out uh, mid-morning. Um, so we're really just trying to get our heads around what this is all about. All I can say at this point is... Uh, um, any new initiative that government decides to, to take on or, or investigate what's going on in, in the school system, um, we we just can't have a repeat once again. There's been tons of studies, tons of commissions, tons of different, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Reviews of what's taken place and this can't become the same thing Uh, I really do believe government is fully aware of what what is going on in the system because we've been we've been uh, Blowing this horn for many years uh, as to what's truly happening and uh, This just can't be another bunch of buzzwords, you know accords and so on nor can it be uh, another dust collector on the shelf
0: What are some of the key details you're still looking for from government? Well, uh, we need to see how this is going to
10: roll out. What we do know is they say that they want to report back uh, by the end of the calendar year, which we we certainly view as positive. Uh, with any uh, any uh, type of review like this, uh, we, we do need to ensure that teachers are a part of that process, uh, that their voices be heard from the front lines. Uh, that that is a must. Uh, we've been uh, informed at this point that 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 would be a part of the puzzle. Uh, anytime two people are, are chosen to be to lead this type of initiative, uh, it's, it takes a while to get to understand what, what their approaches will be. I know both those ladies, and and I I trust that they'll do a, a very uh, fulsome job. Um, but again, we this just can't be an exercise uh, of. Um, of just going through, getting information, and letting the information sit. Uh, We do know the needs that are in the system. There are immense needs around mental health uh, for students, uh, violence in our classrooms. Class compositions are so heavy right now that teachers are really just triaging each day, trying to get through and make sure the needs of as many children as possible are being met. Um, And any modernization. Uh, of that and this is the phrase that they're using is modernization any modernization of the system uh, you, you really need to look at that through the lens of meeting the basic needs of children first
0: are, are there any words that you're hearing from government when it comes to when you might get some of these details Right, and
10: so um, up to, to date, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, this this current government is uh, are, are open to discussions. Uh, the current minister, uh, deputy ministers, and so on. There is back and forth on various things. It's it's in this case that uh, you know we we. We learn in the in you know just the moments prior to an announcement that it's coming and that that's commonplace for government it seems uh that if there's a big announcement it's kept under uh, under wraps uh for various reasons and then uh, the, the various parties are informed uh so you know that that is processed that's, that's an approach that they take uh but uh, we, we do need to know what's going on I, I trust at this point that we will be kept uh, abreast of what's going on uh and and to be included where possible and, uh, again, I'll say that there, uh, any type of response, uh, a modernization to the school system, uh, it needs to be tangible frontline on changes, again, on the front lines, uh, that, that can be felt by teachers and, and, in the end, felt by students. Because right now, uh, it, it, teachers are very overwhelmed, and no doubt children are feeling it themselves.
0: I'm speaking with NLTA President Trent Langdon. Trent, is the association expecting to have a big role in this?
10: Well, again, we're hoping. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Gerilyn. My my response to when I first heard this was was lukewarm. Uh, I I really have no interest in there being another study. Uh, The the, the issues are known out there. And uh, uh, when I hear transformation, when I hear modernization, you know, fair enough. But it's not just about uh standardized scores we've got a system right now that is extremely overwhelmed with again meeting the basic needs of children whether it's we're talking uh, uh their mental health needs or or uh, even just putting food in their mouths and that's what this is all about right now where our, our teachers are, are trying to meet the basic needs of children modernization is important i do believe but it cannot be that not that can't come at the expense of, of children and their basic needs
0: well, the NLTA has been calling for a long-term plan to address issues in the K-12 public education system for for a number of years. What does the plan look like in your eyes?
10: Well, our, our
0: plan would, would
10: uh, as has been referenced yesterday in the announcement, is that there needs to be some short-term fixes, uh, some, some mid-term goals and some long-term outcomes. We know education is a social determinant of health. That's well-rooted in social research. It's well-rooted in, in best practices. And if, if you get it right, uh, and I'll shout out to Patty Daly again. Patty often says if you get education right, a lot of other things will come come to pass. And, and I think he's right in that if you, if you get education right, um, the justice system will feel it. Uh, The health care system will certainly feel it. We'll see uh, shorter lineups uh, uh, in emergencies and so on. And um, uh, the social services realm of government will feel it as well because uh, an education is the basis of of healthier living and and better outcomes when it comes to uh, career and so on.
0: Yeah, this initiative is going to focus on delivering a 10-year education accord with short, medium, and long-term goals. And you did reference some of the short-term fixes that were needed. What are some short-term goals that the NLTA would like to see that, you know, they can make quickly?
10: Right. So immediately... uh uh, there's an immense need of uh, addressing the violence in our schools right now. Um, there needs to be uh, uh, you know, a, a review of how we're offering mental health services in our schools. We're, we're feeling that day in, day out in our schools. Uh, and teachers are the frontline people that are, are expected to respond. Uh, but the class composition piece is, is probably uh, the most uh, blatant issue that we have right now, where ch- uh, the teachers are facing uh, a multitude of various uh, disorders, various uh, uh needs that a child may bring forward you know is not uncommon to have a class of 30 and upwards of 50 percent or more of those students have uh, a special need of some sort where they need individualized care so it, it's that immense need that teachers are facing uh what you, and we're not just talking say high school you know in the k-6 to realm where dependence is so high on, on the teacher and on uh, in many ways filling a parental role that, um, or in place of a parent, I should say, when we have them, uh, that uh, it's those day-to-day on-the-ground overwhelming feelings of how do I meet the needs of all these children is is the most Im- uh, immense need that's there right now.
0: And that is NLTA President Trent Langdon joining us on your V O C M mornings.
1: Well, just like that, <laughs> our time is up here on the best of your V O C M mornings. Thanks for tuning into the program. We'll be back tomorrow morning, five thirty. I'm
0: Ben Murphy and I'm Jerry Lynn Mackie. Safe and happy Sunday.
8: I'm easy like
6: summer.